We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to further the conversation about Donald Trump and his primary opponents like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and Ron DeSantis. And I'm going to tell you why I support those competitors rather than Donald Trump himself. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening to the show. By the way, this is the second to last installment of The Rebellion on Daily Talk Radio at KOKL. I've decided that we need to take a hiatus with regard to that daily broadcast. I'm very grateful to Brooks Brewer and KOKL for serving as the host site for The Rebellion for the last couple years. And I'm likewise thankful to the sponsors, Tetford Insurance, as well as Patriot Auto Group. I'm very grateful for all of that, and I'm grateful for the followers we've built up at KOKL Radio. But I told Brooks a few days ago, a week or so ago, that I thought uh, maybe we just needed to take a break. I know sometimes in the middle of a race, it's good to stretch a bit. In fact, I used to run the 440 and the 880 back in the day when I was in high school. And our coach taught us, especially in the 440, the 400-meter race, as it's called today, that you're basically sprinting for a quarter mile, but you need to incorporate just a couple strides in the back stretch as you're getting ready to go into the final 100 yards or thereabout. You need to just lengthen your stride, stretch out, and get yourself prepared for the final, the final sprint. And I remember that, and I think that's a great metaphor for the way we engage in the culture on a daily basis. There are times where you just need to lengthen your stride. You need to basically allow yourself to flow with the momentum for just a split second or two before you kick into final gear and go into the final stretch and fight the final battle, if you will. And that's what I've decided to do with the Rebellion. I'll continue to do it on a weekly basis on the podcast version that will be posted on Apple and SoundCloud and Spotify. I'll continue to do that. So the Rebellion won't go completely silent, but I'm not going to do it as frequently anymore. All right? Just want you to know that. This is the 702nd episode of the Rebellion, so we'll finish out the radio version of the rebellion, at least in this phase. We may come back on radio again in the near future. I don't know. But at least for the summer months, I'm going to take a bit of a break. This is essentially what it boils down to. I'm going to stretch a bit, allow the momentum to push us forward throughout the summer months, and then decide what to do after that. Okay? So just FYI. So this is the second to last installment, and I thought I would talk again about Donald Trump and his competitors, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. There are other assumed 
challengers. I don't know that they all will. For example, Larry Elder in California is mentioned in the list of possible candidates. I doubt that he'll get into the race. I don't know that he's made any indication that he intends to do so. Another conservative talking head, spokesperson for the conservative movement, Larry Elder, African-American and very conservative man. I respect him greatly. In fact, I've I've uh, shared the plat- platform uh, with him in a conference out in California approximately a year or so ago. Had the privilege of meeting with him and talking with him in the green room as we prepared to go out and speak. All right. Today, I want to talk about why some of the big money GOP donors, conservative donors, are abandoning Donald Trump. And I'm going to tell you again why I don't think he can win. And I'm going to tell you again why if I've already offended you and if you're tempted to tune out, turn off, and just leave and not listen, that that's the problem. This is not what conservatives do. And part of the problem within the conservative movement right now is the house is divided. And as we're told in scripture, a house divided cannot stand. The left knows this. They're laughing at us right now because we're divided. We're divided into the never-Trumpers and the always-Trumpers. We're divided into the anybody-but-Trump and the nobody-nobody-but-Trump camp. This is not healthy for conservatives because conservatives should not be worshiping a person. We should not be fixated on an individual. Conservatives should not be people of personalities. We should be a party of principles. We hold the principles dear. This is what our nation is founded upon. This is the Constitution. This is freedom. This is the Declaration of Independence. This is the Federalist Papers. These are the ideas, the principles upon which our country was founded. George Washington understood this. He refused to cling to the ring of power. He let it go. In fact, the king at the time said if he really does step away, from the presidency, like he says he's going to do, he will be the greatest man on earth right now. The king understood that power, power always enticed the individual to cling to the power, cling to the throne, never abdicate, never abdicate the monarchy, the presidency, the prime minister's role. People don't understand this by instinct, by intuition. All of us want to continue to be in the seat of of power. This is the moral of the story of the Lord of the Rings. Gollum grasping the ring of power, growling, my precious, my precious, he'll never let go of the ring. This is the temptation of Frodo and and the other hobbits, as well as the other characters of the Lord of the Rings. This is the story of the downfall of man within that particular story because they grasped the ring of power. It's the story of the original sin in Scripture. It's the ongoing plight of man that we never want to let go. We never want to give in. Once you attain, once you attain the seat of power, whether it be the head pastor's role in your local church, the presidency of of your local college, a role at your corporation where you have power, whether you're the CEO or maybe even the chief financial officer or the chief operating officer, We all know this. You don't want to let go. And as I've said a thousand times over, those leaders who won't let go are never great leaders. They're remembered for their failures rather than their successes because the ultimate end of their leadership was the fact that they had to be unseated forcefully. Sometimes in the political realm, somebody has to be impeached because they won't let go. 
Sometimes a king in the stories of history is assassinated because he wouldn't let go. This is the story of a coup rising up in the, in the countries of South America and elsewhere because the person in power wouldn't let go. And somebody in the military, a general, a Fidel Castro, for example, rises up, leads a coup, and overthrows the seat of power. And then what does he do? He does the same thing over and over again. He grasps the ring of power. He grabs a hold of it, and he won't let go. This is one of the key reasons I don't agree with Donald Trump at this point in his leadership. He won't let go. It's, it's a poster child of the problem in contemporary leadership, contemporary politics, the contemporary church. I mean, you may be wrestling in a, with a situation in your local church right now where a head pastor is is engaged in turmoil and controversy. And the best thing for him to do would be to would be to lead for the sake of the organization and the church, the body of Christ, by leaving. Lead by leaving rather than lead by hanging on. Real leaders hand off. They don't hang on. And that's what Donald Trump should be doing, and that's what your head pastor should be doing if he refuses to hand off and he insists on just hanging on to his position while the organization splits and crumbles because a house divided cannot stand. Whether it be your head pastor, whether it be the lead person, the CEO, the president, the chairman of the board of your local company, whether it be the president of a college, it happens over and over again, and it's happening in the race for the presidency right now. The leader, who, who deserves to be praised for things he did in the past, won't let go. He in, he insists on hanging on rather than handing off. All right. I said some of this yesterday, but I want to double down on it again today. And I'm going to share with you a little bit more about the story of Donald Trump and why some of the lead donors in the conservative movement agree with me and they want to support somebody else. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. 
So today's topic is Donald Trump again, but really it's not. It's leadership. And what should we expect of leaders within the conservative movement? What kind of leader should we rally around? What kind of leader should we support? What kind of leader should we defend? What kind of leader should we elect? Uh, Let's start out with a tweet on Truth Social yesterday. And yes, it's real. It's been fact-checked by conservatives who are asking, is this a joke? Was this serious? Was he hacked? No, it's real. And it doesn't surprise us. Donald Trump tweeted this yesterday. Excuse me, it wasn't a tweet. He posted on Truth Social. Same thing in terms of the format. You get my point. It says, Rob, in quotation marks. Rob. One more time. Rob. My red button is bigger, better, stronger, and is working. And then he puts in parentheses, truth, in capital letters. Yours does not. Per my conversation with Kim Jong-un of North Korea, soon to become my friend, period. Now, I'm going to read that to you again. That's from Donald Trump, posted yesterday on Truth Social. Rob, my red button is bigger and better stronger and is working. Truth. Yours does not. Per my conversation with Kim Jong-un of North Korea, soon to become my friend. What in the world? is he talking about? I saw several people on this thread said, who is Rob? And then it became apparent that he put it in quotation marks because he's referring to DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. I'm not too sure why he thought it was clever to put Rob in quotation marks. Maybe it's for plausible deniability later on. I don't know. I don't know. But really, Seriously, this man was our president and he wants to be president again. And he's saying stuff like this. I don't care who he's talking about. If you want to dispute the fact that he's not talking about Ron DeSantis, he's talking about some other guy named Rob, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's saying, my red button is bigger, better, stronger, and is working. Truth. Yours does not. Per my conversation with Kim Jong-un of North Korea, soon to become my friend. Folks, Kim Jong-un is a butcher, and I'm not exaggerating when I say right now he's as bad, if not worse, than other butchers, despots, and tyrants, dictators throughout the course of history. Kim Jong-un is just as bad as Hitler. Don't you try to argue that he's not. He has butchered hundreds of thousands of his own people. He has subjected his own people to poverty, to starvation to deprivation. He's put them in prison. He doesn't allow them to have enough food. He doesn't allow them to speak freely. If Kim Jong-un is challenged at all, he executes people. There are reports that he does so in a very violent and sadistic way. One report I read is that if he suspects anybody in his inner circle, even a relative, to be disloyal, and a potential threat is to strip them naked and put them in an arena with rabid dogs that are starving. Dogs that are vicious, starving. And then he watches these dogs tear his opponent limb from limb, savage his opponent. It's just as bad as Nero 
in the Colosseum watching wild animals. Tigers and lions, rip, gladiators, asunder, and Christians, limb from limb. Kim Jong-un does this in real time today. He also is a crazy man that's doing his best to acquire a nuclear capacity that can actually destroy the United States. Nuclear weapons that, it can, that can at least reach our West Coast. And Donald Trump is posting on Truth Social that Kim Jong-un is soon to become his friend? Do you want a leader who's posting that Hitler is my friend and Pol Pot is my friend, Mussolini is my friend? Do you want a leader who says, well, I agree with Robespierre of days gone by. Had I been alive then or if he were alive now, Robespierre would be my friend. Well, ignore that stuff about the invention of the guillotine to execute political opponents or even those that are simply leaders of the church. Forget all that. Oh, and Nero and Caligula, they would have been my friends because my red button is bigger and stronger and better than Rob's. This is crazy. And it's the, the, the frightening thing is one of the first responses to this that I saw in the thread was somebody who supports Donald Trump to a fault saying, I will vote for Donald Trump and no one else. No one else. This person is so loyal to Donald Trump that he ignores this lunacy, this crazy talk of Kim Jong-un being a friend and he says, I'll vote for him anyway. Hitler, a friend? Pol Pot, a friend? Mussolini, a friend? Seriously. Robespierre, a friend? Nero, Caligula, a friend? We need better than this. We need better than this. It's not funny anymore. It's crazy. And it's not just crazy for Donald Trump to do this because he wants to gain the ring of power. He won't let it go, and he's furious that somebody took it away from him. No, that's not the story any longer. The story right now is the fact that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans don't care. They don't care. I'll vote for him and him alone. I'll vote for no one else. Why? Why? Why won't you open your mind and at least talk about the viability of another candidate? Why do you disparage people like me or others who simply want to have a conversation and say, wait a second, I praise Donald Trump for what he did, but he needs to hand the baton to the next person in the race. Uh, it, it could be Ron DeSantis. It could be fill in the blank. Other people are just as conservative and maybe more so. Other people will guard your freedom just as much or perhaps more so. And by the way, what about my argument yesterday that Donald Trump can't win anyway? Okay? Please don't just respond by saying, well, he could if the election wasn't rigged. If the elections are rigged right now, why did Ron DeSantis, the most conservative governor in the entire country, win by 16, 17 points in his last election? Explain that one to me. Why did Glenn Youngkin win in Virginia? when he shouldn't have if the election was rigged. I'm not saying 
that the election process shouldn't be investigated. I agree. There's a lot of fraud. I agree that there were many things taking place on the national and local level in the last couple of elections that were absurd. We should investigate it to the fullest and prosecute those people who may be guilty of election fraud. Throw them in jail and throw away the key. I agree with all of that. But that can't be our only story, our only strategy going into the 2024 election of our new president, because we will lose if it is. Because by definition, we're looking backward rather than forward. Okay? We have to recognize, number one, Donald Trump isn't going to win. There are too many people who are never Trumpers, regardless of who the other candidate is. It could be Mussolini, it could be Hitler, and they would still vote for them rather than Donald Trump. That is true. You know it, and so do I. But if we had a different candidate, somebody that could peel off 2%, 3%, 5% of the undecided vote, we would win in a landslide. Donald Trump won't and can't peel off that vote. Can Ron DeSantis ask yourself that question? Can Tim Scott, can someone else peel off a percentage of that vote? And winning the White House costs money. This is an article written by Joseph Curl in the Daily Wire. It costs money. It, the price keeps soaring, says Curl. In 2016, the presidential candidate spent about $2.2 billion. In 2020, it jumped to $6.6 billion. Like it or not, says Joseph Curl, no one wins the presidency without money. And that's bad news for former President Donald Trump. Oh, he'll pay for it himself. He doesn't have that much money, people. He is a billionaire, yes, but he's not going to spend in excess of $6 billion. Even he can't afford that. Proof? He didn't the last time around. Why does he go out and seek donations? I don't fault him for doing so. He should. Well, he does so, number one, because he needs them. He needs the money, but he also needs the support and the influence that donors bring to the table. But wealthy Republican financiers are bailing on Donald Trump right now. And it's not because they're part of the swamp. These people, these wealthy conservatives, are putting their money where their mouth is. They're putting millions of dollars into these races, and they don't want to see it wasted. And many of those financiers, those wealthy conservatives are leaving Donald Trump and they're backing Ron DeSantis, or maybe as Donald Trump refers to him, Rob. They're backing DeSantis for the 2024 election. Why? Well, here's an example. The founder of a Texas-based Point Bridge Capital company, Hal Lambert. He's a major donor. He says that it's time for Donald Trump to move on, to pass the baton. And Hal Lambert is supporting Ron DeSantis. Here's his quote, Lambert's quote. He told this to the New York Post. I'm in for DeSantis this time. I plan to do a lot to help DeSantis win. He goes on, he says, Ron is good at giving a message. Adding that his wife is amazing and that she's a real asset. Lambert said Trump's performance during a recent CNN town hall left a bad taste in his mouth. Here's why. This is what Lambert says. What voters 
who didn't vote for Trump in 2020 are going to vote for him this time based on his performance in that CNN town hall meeting. What voters, he asks, what voters that didn't vote for him the last time are going to vote for him this time based on what he's saying? And Lambert rightfully concludes, I don't think anyone will. There's no one that you're going to win over by posting on Truth Social or tweeting on Twitter that your red button is bigger, better, and stronger than Rob's. And that the proof to that is that you're building a friendship with one of history's worst tyrants and butchers, Kim Jong-un. That is not a message that's going to win over anyone. Anyone that voted against you the last time. It's just a further division of our country. Balkanization, division, the separation, a house divided, cannot stand. Lambert goes on, he says this, We can't talk about things from four years ago that can't be changed. Trump is going to have a difficult time winning the general election. The election won't be about Joe Biden's bad record. It will be about a referendum on Trump instead. We would crush the opposition if we would focus on their stupidity, their lunacy, their bad record, the terrible economy, the loss of freedom, the butchering of children at the hands of Planned Parenthood, not to mention the trans activists who literally think it's a moral good to cut off functioning organs from minors. What about the terrible educational system and the indoctrination that takes place under DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, critical race theory, CRT, SEI, social-emotional learning. What about the fact that parents are outraged with what's going on in our public schools? What about the fact that you've got this crony capitalism and that you have corporations that are trying to tell us how to live our lives? What about the fact that Donald Trump rode herd over the vaccine, and then didn't do anything to stop the forced vaccination of millions of Americans that really didn't want it, but they knew they'd lose their jobs or their status in culture, their ability to even go to the grocery store, go out in public. What about the fact that all of this took place under the guy that we're now championing? Anthony Fauci was given to us by Donald Trump, by the way. Oh, yes, he had his job before Donald Trump, but Donald Trump did nothing to silence him or to rein him back. And saying something now about it is a little late, in my view. You were the leader of the free world, and you watched as our freedom was taken away by this little Napoleon called Anthony Fauci who thought he was the personification of science itself. Lambert is right. He's absolutely right. If all we continue to do is whine and complain about the 2020 election and that it was stolen, we were robbed. If all we talk about is that, then we're looking in the rearview mirror and we're not paying attention to what is ahead of us and we're going to we're going to run off the road. It will be disastrous. We'll continue to have ineffectual, incompetent immoral leadership from Joe Biden and the likes of this idiot 
vice president called Kamala Harris. DeSantis, says Lambert, would offer a great contrast to an 80-year-old president like Joe Biden on the debate stage. Yes, Donald Trump might be worth billions. By the way, Forbes reports that he's worth about $2.5 billion. So back to my point that he can't even afford to fund his own campaign. He can't. If he spent 100% of his net worth, it would be a fraction of what's necessary to win this race. He's obviously not going to do that. If he spent 50%, he won't do that. If he spent 10% of his net worth, do you see what I'm saying here? Don't tell me that Donald Trump can fund his own campaign. That's baloney. That's nonsense. There's a reason he didn't the last time. No, that's not criticism of him. If it were you, if it were me, if we had a net worth of $2.5 billion, would you spend every dime of it? Would I? In running for the presidency? No, if you're nodding your head saying, yes, I'd spend it all. Well, if that's true, good for you. But that's not what Donald Trump did or will do. He needs money. He doesn't like to spend his own cash. We know that. Now, I'm not, that's not a flaw. That's not a fault. I'm not criticizing him for that. It's just a fact. Donald Trump is looking for money. He needs people to fund his 2024 run. And he's losing major donors. He's losing people like Lambert and other major donors like Robert Mercer. They're not planning to support him. They're going to give to somebody else. They're going to support people like Ron DeSantis, and there's a good reason. Because Donald Trump can't win. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.